Dr. Boyce Watkins, and welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. And uh, today is Inauguration Day. Uh, today, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were sworn in as the uh, next, uh, the 46th president and vice president of the United States of America. Uh, it was a, 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 I hear it's a beautiful ceremony. I can't lie and pretend like I watched the whole thing. Um, I did see the purple outfits trending on the internet, and um, uh, but I didn't see much else. And so uh, today I uh, wanted to uh, give a black perspective. I, I feel that black people need to talk and, and be a part of every conversation that affects our community. And I feel like our conversations are better than uh, and more important than any other conversation. So everybody uh, who agrees that black people in our community needs to come first in our priority list, put your hashtag B1 in the chat. Hashtag B1 means that we're black first. It means that uh, we put our community as a, our top priority. And it also means that B1 also means that uh, we must be one to be successful. So uh, hello, Lovely and D. Ruth and Lauren, Lawrence and, and uh, Leotis and everybody else. Shout out the city. Shout out the city that you're from. Uh, I know a lot of you are coming in from all over the world. So shout out your city and everybody's welcome. Uh, even, even the people who are not black, even the white people can listen in if you want to. But this is our conversation. All right. So today we're going to talk about the inauguration. And the um, I'm going to mention the names of each guest uh, one by one. And then I'm actually going to start when I call on the guests to to uh, with the questions and comments. I'm going to literally go across the screen in, in the order in which they appear on my screen. So uh, the first guest is a uh, Marcus Small. Marcus Small is a, a filmmaker who made a great film called The Melanin Code. Uh, the Melanin Code. Put a yes in the chat if you saw The Melanin Code. It is a great film. Uh, Marcus did a great job. How you doing today, brother? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Doing great, doing great. And also we have Dr. Charm Timms. Uh, Dr. Timms, I, I met Dr. Timms at Tariq Nasheed's event down in Atlanta. And uh, my sister tore it up. She's very smart, just extraordinary. I remember uh, uh, I remember you talking a lot about health and uh, as well as other things, though. Dr. Timms is a very smart uh, black woman. How are you doing today, sister? Hello. Thank you for having me, Dr. Boyce. Glad you're here. And uh, we have John F. Thomas. John F. Thomas is an award-winning filmmaker, writer, and director out of L.A. What's going on, John? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? I hope everybody's doing good, and I'm glad to see everybody here. All right, and uh, we have Tony Lindsay. Now, Tony uh, is out of your Brooklyn, right? Is that where you're from? Yeah, Brooklyn, New York, brother. And you're you're also a filmmaker. That's right, because your film is uh, Where Illinois. Hearts Lie. <laughs> yeah, Where Hearts Lie. Where Hearts Lie. I want to write that down. Yeah. So, so when y'all hear the name of black movies and stuff like that, y'all should write it down too, because we got to support black products and businesses and everything. And everybody in here has something going on. I want everybody to know about what everybody else is happening. So also uh, we have Mrs. G, the, the world famous Mrs. G from Black Wealth. You, how you doing today, Mrs. G? I'm fine. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. We have uh, Tariq Abdul Malik. Uh, Tariq, the one and only Tariq Abdul Malik. Uh, he, I don't know. I don't think I know another black person like Tariq. That's why I, that's why I love this brother because he's so unique. How you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing great. And it's Abdul Kalik. Tariq Abdul Khalik. What did I what did I say? Uh Malik, I think. Oh maybe sorry. I didn't hear you right. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I mispronounced your name and didn't even remember the mispronunciation. My bad, brother. Tariq Abdul Khalik and also uh Zakia Sankara Jabbar. Correct? That's, That's it. Right? That's right. That All is right. right. All right, Miss uh, Zakia to be here, brother. Jabbar, and she is um I, I want to describe you as an activist political analyst. Is that accurate or how would how how should I refine that? Definition. Absolutely. Um, I'm a freedom fighter, activist, political analyst, all of that good stuff. Love black folks. Okay. Well, let, let's start with, that's a good way to start the conversation. So everybody who loves black people, type the word love in the chat. Uh, right. We're going to start the conversation with love. Even when we disagree, we're always going to have love. So let me actually start with uh, the uh, with, with, with black love and, and activism and, and love for the people. So I'm going to start with you, 
uh, Miss Zakia. So uh, the inauguration went down today. Biden got sworn in. Uh, Kamala Harris got sworn in as well. What does this mean for black people? Well, you know, I think that clearly we see that everybody's ready to go back to brunch. Um, what I do believe uh, for black people, unfortunately, is that this is going to prove to be one of the most anti-black uh, administrations uh, in history. And, you know, I'm, I, I hate to sound pessimistic, but I, I think we need to keep our eyes on um, the ball. And we're, I keep mentioning every time I come on here, we are in the middle of a great reset when it comes to the economy. No one batting an eye, boys, when Joe Biden over the weekend actually uh, named a geneticist and promoted this person to a cabinet level position in his administration. You know, this for people who don't understand, please go back and do your due diligence and research on the scientific idea of eugenics, right? We're entering into a phase where biotechnology, nanotechnology, and all of this technology is going to be merging literally down to the cellular level. And I, I'm trying not to talk over people's heads, but I do think that it's important for people to understand that there is going to be a merging of, of, of technology, finances, technology, biology, all of these different things are happening. And it, it, it's also known as the fourth industrial revolution. And black people, by and large, honestly, boys, we're not talking about this. Even our smartest people, I've been looking at them, economists, people are not discussing this. And it is very serious. So I think that this, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm legitimizing my point that, and people can go back and watch this video in four to five, 10 years from now and say that sister said that this would be the issue. Okay, so Tariq Abdul-Malik, uh, or Khalik, Khalik, not Malik, Khalik, Tariq Abdul-Khalik. Um, she, uh, uh, Ms. Zakia just said that the this would be uh, an anti-Black administration. Uh, that Those were the words she used. Um, do you think that this, you think that's true, or, or uh, wh what do you think about the Biden administration? Well, you know, I think a lot of identity politics will definitely be used because they'll be promoting, uh, you know, a lot of black people to certain positions and holding them up as icons when these black folks don't really do anything for you. And you can see the identity politics playing already at the inauguration, because I think a lot of people were wearing, I believe it was Chuck Taylors, because Kamala Harris was wearing it. And, you know, she was wearing some type of necklace. So everyone's got the same pearly necklace as her. So it's it's almost a celebrity of Kamala Harris. And what that does really is that's just designed to lull black folks to sleep and put us in a peaceful corruption mentality. And what I mean by black folks wanting a peaceful corruption is 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 corruption. That's not loud. That's not in your face. It's silent. It's hidden. You can't see it. So other groups are taken care of. Your economic situation remains the same or just gets lower. And nobody is going to be talking about it because we're just happy that, you know, Joe Biden is in power. And just and, and just another thing is, um, you know, and, and I don't know if we're going to get to this topic, but it just seems like, you know, black people got to switch where they're turned on to be offended by something. And I say that because I find it quite interesting that Snoop Dogg all of a sudden is praising Donald Trump. When he hated Donald Trump this entire presidency, but he's praising him when he got a pardon. So it's almost as if we know the Democrats aren't going to do nothing, but we're too afraid to ask him for anything. 
Hmm. So, Mrs. G, uh, you know, you live out of the country, and um, and you're kind of watching this from uh, from the the safety of another shore. Uh, Mrs. G, can you can you hear us? Oh, it looks like Mrs. G went out. Uh, okay, Cointel Pro Gatter. All right, so I'm gonna move the uh, move on to Tony. Uh, we can go back to Mrs. G. So, uh, Tony, um, so uh, you know, did do you think uh, you know we we saw the whole thing with the Chucks, and we saw the whole thing with the um, uh, you know, with 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 uh, a lot of the um, the people being elevated as icons and things like that. Um, that you know, that symbolism. Some people really need that. Uh, do you think that we got kind of an overdose of symbolism, or do you think it was just appropriate for the occasion? Well, well, personally, I think that we got a heavy overdose of symbolism, and unfortunately, I think that in in this society, we've been conditioned, especially as Black people, to view symbolism as some form of tangible pro um, progress. So the way I look at things, to be honest, like I try to be optimistic and I'm being honest with you, I'm probably one of the most fierce critics that you'll ever see of Joe Biden and Democrats. And, you know, I, I wanna be honest because, you know, we're, we're speaking to, you know, a diverse uh, audience. And do I want Joe Biden to fail? No, I don't want Joe Biden to fail because right now he's the pilot. Right. He's the pilot and we're the passengers on this plane. So if he fails, we all fail. Right. If he wins, we all win. But then reality sets in. And I think about the rude awakening that black people always get after these elections and specifically from the Democratic Party. I, I'm, I'm an independent. I'm, I'm not Democrat. I'm not uh, Republican. But we think with such a, a hyper-partisan lens in this country that we're unable to see, like, the other side of things. It's like we're, we've pretty much been conditioned to only see our point of view or whatever is fed to us, particularly by the mainstream media, and then we just run with that. But I think that Black people are going to, they're likely going to get a very rude awakening about the level of uh, accomplishment and progress that has actually been achieved by uh, Joe Biden's election. I think it's going to reveal this election, this presidency is going to reveal the true intentions or lack thereof of the Democratic Party in regards to the black community. So I, I think we all understand that racism in this country is very real, right? We, we, we know that. But I think we collectively fail to grasp the level of craftiness that that our political institutions um, that work in tandem with the mainstream media engage in. So I think we're really gonna get a really big shock treatment coming up. I hope it doesn't happen this way. I hope so. I hope they deliver on some of the promises, but then when you even say that, what did they promise us? Mm. They promised immigrants <laughs> a lot of stuff. You know, they. I, I, I walked through all the executive orders that Joe Biden signed today or was was supposed to sign all of them today i walked through the 100 day the um first 100 days you know i don't see anything that is geared towards the african american community which handed joe biden the election so i think we need to abandon this this need for symbolism which is rooted in low self esteem that black people have been we've been relegated into this state and we have to start developing some real and I, I hate to say it, like self-respect, like stop, stop trying to, to 
I don't want to say seek, but seek the acceptance and the approval of white people or white daddy, or we don't have to always rely upon them to offer us the solutions. We don't have to always navigate through their path. We need to find our own path. Okay. So Mrs. G, um, looks like you came back. I'm glad to see you back. Um, so, uh, so my, uh, my brother just said that he feels that we are asleep. So, um, uh, are, are we asleep and, uh, how do we wake up? She is muted. I think you're muted, Mrs. Oh, sorry. I go. think that we, as intelligent Black people, can begin the process of understanding that we don't understand the world. We cannot possibly understand the world if almost no Black people in America have left. I'm never going to stop saying that. One of the most important things that I can bring to our people is the actual real life view outside of America, since most black people in America have never left in 402 years. It is important to understand that presidents are almost completely unreal. The concept of a president is almost completely fake. What we have presidents for is a face and a symbol for each nation. And although that is real, it's not really the president making decisions for the people. It is time for black people to understand that this goes beyond the president. Like the first um, lady said so elegantly, we have to understand that there is a scientific war against That's us. Right. We're going That's to right. have a, we're in a scientific war. We have scientific problems now. We are, this is going way beyond your one president and your one nation. We have the global leaders making plans against us. And it is important to understand that as black Americans, the plans have to affect us first. We have to be dealt with first before all other people. We are the world's consumers. We mm. determine the prices of everything in the world. We determine how other people react to America. Most black people, the small 13%, we have this much influence based on how we react. And if we're not ready, we're going to be more and more enslaved while we blame black Biden. We can blame Biden, but this is a global problem. It really is. It has almost nothing to do with this little puppet that we call the president. So John, uh, John F. Thomas, what do you think? I mean, did you watch the inauguration? Did you, were you impressed with anything that you saw today? <laughs> was I impressed? No, I, I wasn't impressed with anything. Um, the only thing that I, you know, it's just funny out of all the stuff that they were talking about, Oh, we have to crank down on the security. We have to make sure, you know, basically just traumatizing and scaring people. Oh, these white supremacists are going to come and, and they're talking about doing this and they're talking about doing that. When and the reality was that they America's first priority is protecting the president. They're going to make sure that nothing happens to the president. So this was all fear mongering. Uh, they were trying to emotionally sway not only black people but everybody on on over to their side, and and it worked in in a large portion. I, I've been seeing people, my neighbors, jumping for joy like, oh, inauguration day, and I and I was just looking, okay, all right, you know, but. Uh, it, I, I was not impressed at all. It went off without a hitch. You know, uh, a lot of people, um, can, uh, a lot of symbolism that we saw, Kamala Harris being a VP, the, the black girl, um, I forgot her name, but uh, she she gave a beautiful poem, uh, black pastors coming up and, 
and 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 preaching and 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 all of this and giving the prayers. So I mean, it, it was it was very symbolic, and I feel like that's the thing that they just keep doing to just give us that symbolism. Hey, we're together. We we love black people. Look at all these black people we got up here. But turn mm. really giving us nothing of substance in return. Just empty symbols. Huh. So uh, Marcus Small, um, you know, I know in your film The Melanin Code, you talked a little bit about codes of racism and how. Uh, those in power that want to seek oppression, uh, that they operate, you know, with strategy and uh, in order to control the ma- the minds of the masses. And then they ultimately not don't just control your mind. They control your, your body and your money and everything else. Uh, uh, what, what What's happening in terms of codes? Like, as, as you know, as you made the melanin code and you were thinking about all these, you know, just just everything from how symbolism is used to control people, how intimidation might be used, how uh, sh- you know structure and strategies used to implement a racist policy. Uh, what do you see in terms of uh, what's happening in the country over the last, say, you know, two to three months? I would have to say that um, everyone is on code except for melanated people. I think we're the only ones that are not on code. And when I look at this, it was a glorified. That's to be honest. It was a glorified pep rally. They had bands they had it was just a it was a parade and by the way let's go on if this inauguration was the most white i guess like it reminded me of the colonial the colonial days when there was a marching band that was coming out i think it was like the army or something like that i I was in the band so this is why i referenced this it was a marching band that came they played their song and whatnot and then there was another band that followed behind them it looked like they were literally about to go to war in the civil war. So that was a, it just looked very, as, as diverse as it seemed, it was still very, um, it was still very early American days, like our, our founders or whatnot. So it was just, I don't know. It's just seeing, and to go back to what Dr. Boyce was talking about the code, like I said, everyone was on code itself for us. I think that we are the biggest, uh, the race that I think we're the race of sheep. This is this is what I think. And I think that everyone else are like shepherds and we keep getting bamboozled and we keep falling for the height. We keep falling for trends, styles. And listen, I'm the first one to say I'm in fraternity. I'm in Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. Um, Kamala Harris is, quote unquote, my sorority sister. So I get it. I get the intrigue. I know the pearls. I get all that good stuff. But when are we going to stop falling for the okie doke? That's what I have to say. And I think we should just now is the time where we're either going to get on code or we're going to stay off code. And I think this is, um, I think somebody mentioned this, this is going to be the term where we realize, I think I would, I was hoping that Trump's term was going to make black people, melanated people realize that we weren't on code, but it didn't happen. Um, I think this will be the term. Mm. Okay. So you think this will be the term. So Dr. Charm, do you think, um, you know, I, and I heard earlier, um, I think it was my brother Tony that was talking about, uh, you know, it's going to be a wake up call for us. Um, I feel like the alarm's been going off for about <laughs> 50 years. You know, it reminds me, you know, when you get up, you know, you, you know, when you don't want to get out of bed and the alarm, your brain becomes immune to the alarm and you sleep through it like 30 times in a row. That's true. I, I don't I'm, I'm a little skeptical. I don't I don't know if I mean, you can't wake up a dead person. And I wonder sometimes if we are psychologically just dead, just in a coma. <laughs> I, what do you think it would take to wake us up, Dr. Charm? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, a very wise man and hero of mine once said, the white liberal is the worst enemy to America and the worst enemy to the black man. And that man went by the name of Malcolm X. Uh, we are we have been fooled by this liberalism. Uh, this entire inauguration, which I did not watch, was a ceremony without substance, in the words of Dr. John Henry Clark, may he rest, rest in peace. Uh, 
And, you know, Biden's inaugural address, he talked about white supremacy and addressed some of these racial things that have, have occurred. And so did President Obama. But as you look at the executive orders that were uh, prioritized and, and started this afternoon, not uh, he's already gone back on his campaign promise. Uh, Sean King tweeted about it, that he went back on his campaign promise about addressing policing and mass incarceration on the first day. He's talked about joining the World Health, rejoining the World Health op, uh, Organization, the Paris Accord, the Keystone Pipeline, uh, talking about immigration and starting an eight-year path to citizenship for 11 million undocumented immigrants. All of these things have been addressed in executive orders today. And the people who put him in office, had it not been for Detroit, had it not been for Philadelphia, had it not been for Atlanta, this man would not be in office. And this is the thank you that we get and we are continuously being used. Yes, we need to be on code, but we really need to understand political savvy and sophistication because at this point it doesn't exist. Yes, I will agree. Michelle Obama's hair was laid. She looked wonderful. And, you know, Kamala looked great. And and what is that going to buy me uh, with with, uh, with no reparations? What is that going to get me with uh, uh, mass incarceration, with uh, two in many cities, two black women for every one man. I got friends here with masters and doctorate degrees, uh, a good Southern women with no husband. And, and so these, you know, we're dealing with socially engineered issues and yes, the ladies look great. I did. I'm not going to say Michelle Obama. weave was not laid to the gods, but what good is that going to do me when Michelle is sitting up there with her husband and black women have no husband? Uh, uh, are, are, are fighting for our rights. Black men over here incarcerated. What good is going to be with some Chuck Taylors and pearls if if, the, if if we have no substance? He's already gone back on campaign promises on day one. So that's 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 already setting the tone for what's going to happen for the next four years. We have to be dispassionate and be acerbic in our and have some political savvy. We have not learned from what occurred during the Trump years. We have not learned from the Obama years. The problem is, you know, to your point, sister, is that these people have not changed their playbook. You know, at this point, uh, it has we have to take some responsibility for our own behavior. I am also an independent. I did not vote for Joe Biden and no way in hell I was going to vote for Joe Biden because clearly he was running on. I'm not Trump, literally. And let's be very clear. The Democrats paid for those votes. You want to know what, how I know is because there are plenty of so-called black led C3s and C4s that got paid to GOTV, get out the vote. You had rappers going down to Georgia doing free concerts. You had people doing uh, feeding people, uh, doing challenges and all of these different things. You had people providing rides you have uh, Silicon Valley social media companies who invested heavily into the Democrats, uh, not just into the presidential campaign, but also into the Senate campaigns in Georgia. We, I agree, we are not politically savvy uh, in terms of the masses, but I also think we need to point to the fact that there is clear exploitation happening within our community. If you have a community who is economically dispossessed and somebody is coming with free food, somebody is coming with 
free this or free that, and you are in a position where you need it, of course you're going to register to vote and go vote because they are actually giving you a ride to go vote and you're doing a wink. Okay, I got you. I'm going to go vote for this person. That's exploitation to the highest. And we don't have that language. We're not calling out people in our own community who are taking advantage of getting millions. You got million dollar activists out here, million dollar activists who came up off of the Trump administration. We need to have a full conversation about what's really happening in our community and the black faces who are uh, being paid to uh, serve us up like sheep. Absolutely. Well, you know, well, you know what I was thinking, uh, uh, Tony. I, I when I saw um, the, uh, or either t- uh, Tony Tariq, really anybody, uh, when I saw Little Wayne um, get his pardon, I instantly connected Little Wayne's pardon to that awkward endorsement he did a Trump back in the yes. day, which almost seems like there's just this game being played behind the scenes Definitely. that we're not privy to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, Tony, go, go, what, what's your take on some of uh, on some of that in terms of people being paid to? Uh, become what I, I call them uh, Negro managers. Yeah, right. yeah, you, you have black leaders and you have Negro managers, and they're and they're paid to manage us like like the way you manage Burger King employees. Um, and yeah. uh, and I, I'd be curious to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I would. I think that that it, it was um, very obvious actually. Um, and if you if we were paying attention to the news lately, you would see that Donald Trump was actually offering uh, pardons for two million dollars a pop. So I think it makes complete sense now. When we see the little Waynes and you know the, the rappers or whoever it is, kind of giving these like weird endorsements of Trump, but I think this is also indicative of the larger problem that we face when it comes to the quote unquote gatekeepers, right? There, there's a certain class of black people that is allowed the keys to to the gate, right? To the gate of 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 the corporatist the corporatist uh, element to the, the mainstream media, the, 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 the access that they get to the elite class. And these people are set in place to keep us at bay, to keep us control, to keep us calm, to keep us dumbed down. And you know, we've, and to what Zakia was saying, we've been falling for this for a long time. And it's the same playbook over and over again. And I think that the fact that we're seeing this same playbook it shows the complete lack of respect that they have for us. And, you know, they don't even respect you enough to even appeal to your intelligence anymore. I mean, we get, uh, what, what is it, uh, booty to the polls and, and, and twerk, twerk oh them in Washington. <clears throat> That's how they appeal to mm-hmm. our level of political sophistication as black people. So, think- you know, no, so it, it's, it's really about educating us and, and let's like making th- th- this, we need more civic education. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But mm. I, we can't depend on this education system in this country. That's why me, listen, I'm about to take my son out and start educating him uh, independently because this is really getting terrifying what I'm seeing in this country. Well, how many of you, uh, let me ask uh, the panel. And by the way, everybody who's watching, uh, please hit the thumbs up button. Take one second, hit the thumbs up button. Because we're trying to build black media, and let me show you why we need our own media. As as you hit the thumbs up, subscribe button, and all that stuff, let me show you guys why I think we 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 really need some black media. Uh, and I and I would like to get uh I'd like to get the take from some of the ladies on this. Uh, this is uh that Black Lives Matter video that they put up, uh, where they were celebrating oh, the, the Dr. King with uh with a twerk on Washington. 
Uh, that was literally what they, they said. They said, we're going to twerk on the Capitol. So they had a video. They got over a million views of a woman twerking on the steps of the Capitol. Um, I can't make the image bigger. I'll try to get a bigger one in case you want to see see it <laughs> and supersize. But, but anyway, so she's twerking on the Capitol. And uh, this was and what was interesting is that this was not just, you know, a random person's Instagram page. I mean, this is Black Lives Matter, which is kind of has been made by white media to be the face of this black liberation movement, which I, obviously I'm sure many of you would object to that. It is. Um, so right. I, I'd like to actually, I, I want to run to you, Dr. Charm, because I, I, Mrs. G, I, you, you spoke on this very eloquently, uh, but, and I feel like it's important to ask the ladies about this first, mm-hmm. uh, because as a man, you kind of freeze up like, Okay, am I impeding on your freedoms as a woman by saying that I'm not comfortable with a twerk on Washington as being the way to celebrate Dr. King's birthday? So uh, I, I'll start with you, Dr. Charm. Uh, when you saw that video, did you see it when it first came out? Did you hear about it? I, I saw it. And look, I have uh, been doing uh, African dance for over 25 years. Uh, this is, uh, you know, twerking comes from uh, the Congolese dance. Uh, these are traditional African fertility rites, and I have been known to take a twerk class or two myself, but you will not see me twerking on the Washington Monument, Washington who had slaves that escaped on his birthday and taking their teeth and pulling them out and wearing them for his own. Uh, it's insulting. It's disgusting uh, to black women. Uh, I'm not surprised that this is Black Lives Matter that put this out because they have such a um, they have a, a diversion in their message. They don't even know what their message is. They're begging Biden for a meeting and can't get one. It, it, it's absolutely disgusting. And it's such a gimmick. I mean, we are more intelligent than that. Black women are the most um, are the uh, most fastest educated uh, group in the country of holding college degrees. So why would you appeal to that? that Our statistics should show you that we are not over here worrying about twerking. We're worrying about getting our education and and providing for our families and, and, and supporting black men and supporting black children. So why would you appeal to that? This is mass media, mass propaganda. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I love to twerk, but I'm not gonna be twerking on the video of on Martin Luther King Day for God's sake. Mm, uh, it's mm, insulting mm. to him. It's insulting to his family. Mm. Well, hey, you know, not the charm for twerking. Well, yeah, that's a fun. Well, that's a funny thing too. It's kind of like, um, you know, there, there's just a way that things should be done, right? It's like if if somebody goes out and uses the bathroom in the middle of the street where there's children walking up and down the street and everything else, and you walk and you say, "Hey, hey, hey, hey," you know, we don't want to see all that. You know, it's not like so the person, you know, it would be weird if they turn around and say, like, what, you try to pretend like you don't use the bathroom too? We all use the bathroom. What's wrong with using the bathroom? You taking away my rights to 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 take a dump, you know, whatever, right? Like, no, we're not taking away your right to use the bathroom. We just feel that that's not there's a time and place for these things. And my children are right here, and we don't want to we don't need to see all that, right? And uh, and Mrs. G said something that I thought was really interesting. And anybody in the panel can jump jump in on just kind of do like that so I can I can point you point you out. But Mrs. G used the word porn. She said, I saw porn. And and and, and I didn't think of it like that, you know. But then I I, I you know I did, did do kind of a gender switch, and I and I said, Yeah, if it were a man doing something, anything like that around children, it would definitely be porn. And I think maybe because we're so touchy about infringing on a woman's right to do what she wants with her body that we're not calling it for what it is. Uh, does anybody else have a thought on this? I mean, and, and it's funny that Black Lives Matter, two things about Black Lives Matter is fascinating. One is they, they've collected $10 billion 
I like, was just about to say, follow you, the money, bro. Okay, well, you know what, Zaki, I'm, I'm gonna take it to you because because I, I want to talk about that money, that ten billion they collected, and nobody knows where that money went. And then two, and two, they they were for telling everybody to go vote for for Biden and, and Kamala, and they can't even get a meeting. They can't even <laughs> Biden said thank you, we've used you, uh, good luck in your life, and he isn't calling them back. Uh, Zakia, what are your thoughts on on all of the, everything I just said? So certainly I thought uh, it was extremely uh, disrespectful. I Obviously, you know, African dance, I, I love it. I can't say that I actually can do it very well like the other previous sister was saying, but um, context matters, right? And um, again, propaganda, we've all talked about it. It, it. It's a distraction. And I also think that it was done to call shock and awe, quite honestly. It was done to you know, for, for us to actually be sitting up here talking about it right now. But again, as I say with everything, always follow the money. This is a global economy and it's all about keeping certain people uh, in their place, distracted, right? Um, talking about this instead of keeping our eyes on the prize, which is in terms of policies and practices that our community uh, needs and deserves. Um, this thing with, with this twerking, I, I think is absolutely ridiculous. I think that it served a purpose that, you know, to, to, to get us off our mark and to make sure that we're not asking for the things that we need to ask for uh, from this particular administration. And it's also a sign to, yeah, let's get back to party. Trump gone now, you know, all we got to do is twerk it out and everything going to be okay. The other thing that I will say, too, is connecting the dots here. Uh, in terms of following the money. When I was talking about those million dollar activists, every single one of them uh, uh, endorsed Biden at the end of the day. Every single mm -hmm. one of them, you know, use their platforms to get out the vote for a known sexist, white supremacist and everything else. Biden has a 47 year history of being anti-black. And these are who these so-called people who are advocates for our community told us to support I can't take them seriously at all. Yeah, Zakia, can you take us down the rabbit hole just a little bit? Um, I, 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 I actually want to do that. Do a double question with you on this. Can you name some names in terms of people that you observed who you felt um, were part of this whole, you know, pay for activism thing? Uh, I, I think it's important to, to name, you know, that we that we start really pointing these things out so that at least people kind of know what's going on. Is it, does anybody kind of stand out to you in particular? We all know who they are. I mean, we're talking about Black Lives Matter. So certainly uh, Alicia Garza, who um, I actually know people who are actual organizers in the Bay Area, particularly in Oakland, and none of them actually knew her. In fact, I, I uh, in fact, she actually lived in Marin. If you know anything about the Bay Area, Marin is actually a very rich area. Um, I believe, you know, her stepfather was a white Jewish man. Uh, she comes yeah. from Means, went to a mixed high school, a very wealthy kind of like area high school. She actually has uh, no connection to the community she claims to be representing. Um, and this is from actual grassroots organizers in Oakland. People who really? are, I'm talking about not the Bay Area. I'm talking about actually in Oakland when it was showing up black, <laughs> right? Um, mm. and, and she is a multi-million dollar activist, right? Like she is all over the place, completely endorsed by, you know, white leftists and white society. Uh, when you think about, you know, who they lift up as our leaders, you see her everywhere. And this is not about hating. This is not about like, you asked me a specific question. You know, it's not about like mm -hmm. trying to throw another sister under the bus. As I said at the very beginning, I love black people, but I need to be very clear that I love black people among us, the most of us who are dispossessed uh, in this community, who are 
uh, marginalized, right? I'm talking about folks who grew up like me, uh, where I'm, both of my parents were impacted by the crack epidemic, right? I grew up rough, you know, from Cleveland, Ohio, and was raised in the rural uh, South. So I have very lived experiences that are much different from hers. And so I have a different view of the world where a white liberal in that sense would not be able to use me in the same way. And mm. just to add on to that, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to piggyback off of Ms. G about personal responsibility inside the black community, because one has to ask, how does actions like this keep happening inside the black community? And there is no backlash because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm looking all across the Internet and it's in it's very few black independents that's really talking about this issue, especially with the twerking. But what's interesting is that none of the mainstream black media is talking about this. It's almost as if it's being swept under the rug as if it didn't happen. And this is embarrassing towards the black community when you see this type of behavior where you got the young sister twerking in front of the, uh, you know, with the Martin Luther King talking because it doesn't make us look like a people to take seriously. It's because we're always entertaining. And if black people don't call this behavior out collectively, this is gonna keep happening because no one sees us as a community to be taken seriously. We only take things seriously whatever the media and white liberals say take seriously. So take, for example, let's say Black Lives Matter say, you know what? We are gonna work with the Republicans on a certain legislation because the Democrats will ignore us. You would see every African-American upset with that. All the celebrities upset with that. You may even see Google and all these uh, Facebook and social media companies censoring them because it doesn't go doesn't toe the line. And that's the problem with our communities. Like our priorities is wrong. Mm, I want to add on to that. Um, so the thing, the thing is a lot of people that I even talk to, especially like really liberal black people, they want to be able to do whatever the hell they want and then turn around because they want to act like, oh no, I don't, I don't care about how they look at me, how they view me. I'm a human. I should be able to do whatever I want. True. In a perfect world, that's true. We don't live in a perfect world. So we need to adjust to the world that we are living in and how the world has been operating and how it continues to operate and has been operating forever. And also another thing is you, you, you want them to allow you to do whatever the hell you want, not really thinking about how other groups of people, how these people are perceiving you. And then you ask these same people, respect me when they try to shoot you dead in the street or when they beat you up or they come in your home and handcuff you when you're naked. Oh, no, respect me, respect. They don't respect you. That's why you're being shown, having this image of you twerking. And on the Capitol Hill, that's disrespectful, one, on Dr. Martin Luther King Day. And then you're, you're saying, well, I should just be allowed to do that. No, we have to have uh, what uh, T said and what Ms. G said. We have to have some personal responsibility, some personal accountability. And just because I call you out on that, that doesn't mean I'm attacking you per se. We need to be on code like this. This is not allowed in any other community. No other community <laughs> is doing anything like this. But yet we're asking for respect. It just makes us look ridiculous. It makes us look childish. And mm -hmm. it makes us look really immature. And we need to really start growing up, start being more politically savvy, start holding ourselves more accountable. Because if we want power, real power to change things, we have to start holding ourselves with a much better respect to demand respect. Because I don't have to necessarily like this person in order to respect them. Same thing in America, how they deal with Russia, how they deal with North Korea. They don't like them, but they respect them. The same with these white people who came to the Capitol. They don't like them, but they respect them. 
we're the only ones, but yeah, we yet we say if black people did that, oh, we'd be beat upside the head and all this other stuff because they don't respect us and the things that we do and how we present ourselves. That's why we're not being respected. We have to change all of that. Mm. So, so Marcus Small, um, when, when, when he talked about uh, again about being on code, um, uh, what 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 area? I, I love the fact that I, I remember in your film you had Neely Fuller uh, talking about. Uh, code used to control black people in all areas of activity, every, almost everything that we do. And, um, and so, you know, with, with, with this, uh, with, with some of the things that are just mentioned uh, by Zakia in terms of, uh, you know, creating fake leadership uh, to, to manage us or, or John and, and uh, Dr. Charm talking about, you know, the image of, of black women twerking as a way of somehow showing uh, allegiance to Martin Luther King. Um, you know, this this also speaks to you know a, a power of, of media, right? That that controlling media is a very important part of this, which almost spe- says that you know when you talk about filmmakers like yourself and Tony and John etc. That 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 we're really coming after that and really saying okay, let's at least make sure that we have that media ownership piece as one of our core agenda items uh, would be important. Do you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. Media, we need our own black media. Um, Therefore, because we know that the mainstream media will spend everything, for instance, like and this is what I say about the code system. So the liberals, everybody and I would say liberals, except for melanated people are all on code. I was in a clubhouse room today and it was basically it was a celebration room for the liberals. It was like inauguration day. and They had people in there that worked for Kamala and Biden, you know, the whole campaign. And they were talking about they were going over the list of things that they wanted Biden this campaign to do. The main thing was eradicating the death penalty. The second thing was raising minimum wage. There was a brother that came up there to the floor and he was like, listen, this is what I want. I think that black people need reparations. And you're talking about crickets. (laughs) I mean, it was totally cricket. So was it the lift every voice plan or was it the lift everyone else's voice plan? That's what I want to know. Well, um, yeah. so so Mrs. G, um, you you were about to. Oh, sorry, Doctor. Char- I I heard Mrs. G and Doctor. Char- I I couldn't tell. Uh, Doctor Charm did this. Uh, can we go to Mrs. G first? I, I haven't heard from her for a while. And then you, Doctor Charm, go ahead, Mrs. G. Yeah, I'm starting to come to the point of you know believing that we need to stop telling our people that they are going to receive reparations. I do not think that people need this kind of distraction because. We are stuck in this perpetual begging. I'm going to repeat again that the president is a distraction. The president is a figure. The purpose of a president, like um, someone here said tonight, is to keep people calm, to pardon a few people, to make sure that the public doesn't get out of control and that they believe that the president has powers that the president really doesn't have. But as far as Black people are concerned in America, we need to understand that although we keep chanting Black Lives Matter, in reality, Black lives don't matter. They don't. We want all of this respect. We keep asking for it. We want reparations. We keep asking for that. We are 13% of the population. We stay at 13% with all of the abortion clinics that are out almost every Black neighborhood in America. And we are need to understand If we're going to seek power, we're going to have to look outside 
and learn the global view, not just the inside view of politics, because this is globally happening. We're trying to fight some type of war. We're trying to fight something and we don't know how to fight it because we only can see a small percentage. What's really happening is America is being controlled by the global plan. We have a global plan that's happening. It needs to be mm. understood. Stop talking about this small thing. And mm. it also needs to be understood that Black Americans are supposed to be slaves. You're not supposed to be free. You were brought to America to be a slave. You were, you were still in America to be slaves. We're high paid slaves who think we have freedom, yet we don't have a passport. Why? Why do we not have passports? Why do almost 0% of Black Americans don't have a passport? It cannot actually be explained. Most people have a thousand and one reasons, but it's unacceptable. You're not being able to leave the plantation called USA, not even for a visit because you don't have a passport, not even for an emergency because you don't have a passport. That's enough with the excuses. Understand, slavery was never abolished, ever. Mm. I, I agree with that because I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. When I left the United States of America, and, and I thank my dad for um, having me travel when I was a young boy, um, you really see the United States and how they affect other countries, how their foreign aid to 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 dictators oppress other countries, how they fund foreign wars, you know, just fund chaos with other countries. And then you look, and then when you come back in America, you see the American people just totally lost don't know what's going on. You know, mm -hmm. they talk about a whole a whole lot about Russia, but you know, Americans don't even understand the Russian Ukraine conflict. They don't understand that this hyper rhetoric to go after Russia can actually lead us into a nuclear war. But it's like we don't even understand that stuff because like Ms. G said, we have never really traveled outside to see how mm -hmm. the world views our country. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. true. Uh, okay, Dr. Chong, go go ahead. Uh, I've been to nine countries and I think it's great to get a passport and all that. But traveling has shown me that the image of black people in America has been colonized amongst everything else. And we don't have to leave our shores to understand the condition that we are in this country. As, uh, re requesting that a debt that is owed to us be paid is not begging and it, it's not asking. This is the debt that is owed. I just finished doing genealogy on my family. Uh, I'm still uh, at, I'm at the point now that I'm going to have to hire a professional genealogist, but I was able to get uh, all the way back, just found out that we had slaves in our family in Mississippi and Tennessee and Virginia. I'm from Houston, Texas. I had no idea. I was going through census records and looking, uh, got up to 1840 and then 1820. And uh, my great grandmother was 101, was a sharecropper. We got her on tape. I looked at it, listened to a tape of her from uh, from 1991, before she died, talking about the fact, she didn't say I was a sharecropper. She said I was a slave. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any rights. They paid us when they wanted to pay us. I have family land in Texas um, in the rich oil areas that was stolen. Uh, and I'm sure that there are other black people uh, that have gone through this. And so we don't have to travel, though travel is great, to understand the condition. No, we do have to travel. When we see the, and and when you no, see that Wait, so hold on, wait, wait, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, Mrs. G. Let, let Dr. Chong finish her point and then I, I'll give you a rebuttal. Please go ahead. With the twerking on the Capitol, back to that, we didn't stop it at the point where uh, Bernie Sanders 
had an interview with Cardi B. We didn't stop it at the point where Joe Biden did an interview with Cardi B uh, just during the election cycle. And so you have a disrespect there. So then we tolerated that. Then, of course, we're going to tolerate somebody twerking on Martin Luther King Day. And then you see, you know, and I, I listen to Cardi B music. But when Cardi B had WAP playing and her little daughter wandered in hmm. uh, and so she hurried up and jumped up and turned that shit off so quickly. So I just say that to say that, you know, and even Oprah, she, I think what Oprah said she went to South Africa and one of the guys called her in, you know, what up, my nigga? And, and, and she's like, and he's like, you know, I see this on TV and this is going back to Donald Vogel and the images that are colonized, that are coming out of Hollywood, that are coming out of America, of black people, that is broadcast global, globally across the world. And when, then when we travel, they think we all behave that way. That's true. Mm, okay, uh, Mrs. G, you, you, you stop it where where it started. We have to nip it in the bud where it starts because that when isn't I, the of black people. That isn't how we behave. I wasn't raised like that. Okay, Mrs. G had uh, something she wanted to say in response. Uh, it looks like she's frozen. Mrs. G, can you hear us? No, I'm not. I'm sh I'm shocked. I'm not frozen. When I okay. say travel, I am being very specific. I'm talking about leaving the American continent. I'm not talking about going to the Caribbean. I'm not talking about going to Mexico. I'm not talking about going to Canada. And the reason why this is so specific is because black people are literally afraid of crossing back over the ocean, really afraid of going back over the ocean. It's not just a phobia, it goes deeper into karma. There is something really fearful about us leaving that continent, not mm. just America. And you literally do need, you don't say, I don't need to travel. I don't need to go off the shores. I don't need to live abroad if you've never done it before. Well, I, I don't think, I don't think well, hold, well, well, Mrs. G, I don't think Dr. Charm was saying she doesn't want to travel. I think she was saying that a lot of these things you can also see, even if you didn't travel. But I think she agrees she with said, your point that traveling that does matter, right? To, she said that we don't need to leave our shores. And I said that we, we, you don't have to leave your shores to understand the condition right. of black people in this country. I speak and, five. Right, languages. Right, I, don't, I don't think she's. I don't think she's speaking anti-travel though. I speak. I speak five languages fluently, and I have traveled to nine countries. I just came from out of the country two weeks ago. Okay. So that's so. I've been and I've been to Africa, and so I'm not saying that we don't need to travel. I think travel is wonderful, but to say that we have to travel to understand the wretched condition that we are in this country is absolutely uh, ludicrous. In my opinion. Okay, let me finish, please. Can I finish? I have traveled to over 80 countries. I have lived outside of America for 22 years while I also lived in America. Staying in touch with America while living outside of America for 22 years. There's a reason why they have something government funded by nations all over earth called the exchange student. That is not for fun. That's not to go to somebody else's school and kick it for a year. You have an exchange student to increase the intelligence of the people in your society. The actual, actual intelligence, your wisdom and, and everything. I also speak five languages very fluently and they're not Latin languages only. I speak Asian languages also. I speak a little bit of Arabic. I happen to have a very good grasp on what it's like to live outside of the United States. 
and okay, living so, is much so, different than a 10 day trip in so, reality. And, and, I, and I agree with that, right? So I think that what you're saying, you're both saying, it sounds to me that that the more experience you have, the more the, the more uh, the broader your perspective, the more you have insights on what's happening in America, which I, I think you will both agree on that. I, I almost feel like it's a it's not a, it's not a contest. Right. So let, let's let we can move on no, on that. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. And I really think it's important to make this clear because people argue with me constantly who've never left or lived outside of America that it's not needed. It's not just about experiences. It's about being able to compare. It's about being able to see the huge contrast. It's about having enough time pass to know that as after years, the police never came after me. Years. You don't know that on a trip. You don't know after years that you never feared for your life. You don't, you don't know that after a few days. You only know that after years. There are some things you're never going to be able to know unless you have spent years, decades even. You can't just say, I went, I saw, I got the T-shirt. Okay. Okay. So, so what about, let, let's, let's go deeper into that then. Um, and, uh, and I, I Tony, I haven't, I haven't heard from you for a minute. I, I'll be curious. Okay. So uh, Mrs. G makes a valid point about uh, the importance or, or at least, definitely at least the opportunity that we have to live in other countries. And uh, and I agree with that point. You know, I I, I have not been in, other, in another country for more than six months at a time. Uh, but uh, even then, I noticed the difference. But but years right. at a time, um, there, there are people that do that as well. Why do you think uh, that there aren't more black people who just pack up and go? Like, what, what do you think it is? I mean, you know, we, we do have a birthright here. Right. This is our country, too. We built this. Uh, you know, so that's an argument. But. Also, it almost seems that that some of us have that mental block that we we think we can't fly farther than you know Detroit or Los Angeles that we actually can't just keep going and, and go to another country altogether. What what do you what are your thoughts on that, Tom? Well, I, well, I think it's a combination of both, but I also think that when you when you look at it, it's it's like we sometimes we can only go as far as we see or what we're exposed to, and when we've been let's say as Black Americans, when you've been taught like the whole time that you've been in this country that like let's say africa per se is just a bunch of poverty and jungles and you know so it's like the it always seems to go back to the media from my perspective which is why i always talk about the importance of independent media and black media but i think that there's such a stronghold over our perception that so yes i think there's a, a a large degree of fear when it comes to us leaving this country yes but I also think, listen, it's our birthright. Why should we have to leave and go anywhere? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there are debts that are owed. So I can understand both sides of the conversation. I do believe that you do get a better perspective when you leave this country as, as far as uh, understanding you, you know, what you're actually experiencing living in this country. I don't think you're required to live outside of the country in order to get that, you know, a, 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 be able to truly identify what you're going through in this country. I don't believe that. But I will say, though, you know, I've traveled to maybe five countries and, you know, my daughter lives abroad. She lives, she's in France right now. But I can tell you that, you know, my family that lives in Europe, when they look at everything going on in the United States, it's unfathomable to them. Like what is happening in this they country? They think we're. They think like, that I'm lying. But, but but the thing is, a lot of their opinions about Black Americans are shaped by the media, the media, American media, the propaganda machine in this country. So what? 
So even when you look at, you know what I always suggest for, for our people to do? We have to watch media outside of this country. Mm-hmm. We have to watch mm-hmm. BBC or watch RT or RT whatever. Yeah. yeah, right. Because we got to see other perspectives. We've been locked into one perspective in this country. So it, it always defaults back to the brainwash of the, of the machine. So that's how I always look at it. So we're trapped. It's, 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 it's a mental slavery that we're still trapped in in this country. So as far as the reparations um, argument is concerned, I do believe that African-Americans have an absolute right to demand reparations in this country. Do I believe that that should be the one hill that they die on? No, I don't. Because I also believe that there are a myriad of other issues that still affect us and concern us in this country that we do have to pay a great deal of attention to. And I also think that we have to acknowledge that giving black folks reparation in this country is just not, <laughs> that doesn't help the, the, the status quo in any way. So it's like, I understand the demand, but I also, I mean, I, I also have this realistic way of looking at things. And I don't want to say reparations will never happen. I believe that, yes, there's a, there's a, a, a true, it's a justified demand, but it's like, what, what, what is, how is this system invested in, in, in giving black people in this country reparations when they're still offering us twerk on the pole to vote videos and all of that? It's like, when you look at the reality of how seriously they take us and our level of, of political sophistication, you know, as just, at the end of the day, one and one makes two. So mm, right. I just try to look at these I think when we step outside just a little bit and just look at it from a grander perspective, outside of just our personal emotions and and and, and even listen, we're right, right? If you're right, you can be right, but it still doesn't mean that you're right. And I, I know that sounds weird, but, but you can be right in your demand and your request, but it does not mean that realistically with the with the the, the situation you're presented with, that, that may be the outcome. But what I want right. to do is I'm just I just believe that we need to be more well-rounded in our understanding and approach to our positioning in this country. And right. So let me let me jump in on that. Let me jump in on that, though. Uh, you know, I, I think and I want to ask Marcus, I want to tell Marcus this story and I want to get his, your take on this, uh, Marcus, because it was it was really, really happened. I really saw it. So I spent uh, to, so to Rose's point about living in other countries and 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 being there for a long time. Uh, there are so many things. I mean, you, you can't you don't know when you have a blind spot until you see the blind spot until you're actually on the other side of that. So I went to Germany. Um, it's about 2006. And I did a little research thing over there. I, I was there just six weeks. So it wasn't years or months, but it was six weeks. And when I was there, uh, the whole time I was there, every time I turned on CNN, there was uh, this war. At that time, the Israelis had gotten mad because I guess the um, uh, the um uh, the Palestinians uh, uh, had killed an, a couple of Israeli soldiers, and as a result, they were bombing the hell out of out of you know the Palestinians. I mean, it was it was just completely disproportionate. It just really traumatized me to watch this every single day because they were just blowing up anything and everything because they killed these two soldiers. But but here's the point, right? So in my world, that war was everything. Like that was mm-hmm. the topic, the lead story every single day on the news every day. So check this out. I get home to the United States and I say to one of my friends, I say, man, did you, what about that war? 
right? It's like 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 the way we might talk about the inauguration, right? Everybody knows nobody knew anything about it. Like there was no reporting on that war at all in the United States. And I said, oh my God, this, I, I, I'm in the twilight zone right now. And let me show you uh, also, Marcus, I'm gonna show you this um this one thing I was researching while we were talking. Now these this is uh, Time Magazine covers. And, and people don't know this, but they changed the cover of Time Magazine depending on what country you're in. This is Europe, this is Asia, this is South Pacific, this is the US. Uh, Europe, Asia, South Pacific, US. Europe, Asia, South Pacific, US. And, and, and it goes on and on and on. And, and basically, it, it seems like they have us living in this weird little bubble where we're not connected with, with the things that matter in the world. And also, uh, where we're just fed consistently fed misinformation. Uh, what, what, what do you think, Marcus? Yeah, I totally agree. And um, everything that's happening in our world is like our world and vice versa over there. This reminds me when I went to Cambodia. Cambodia, I've never even thought about going there, but I had to go there for some business. But they had this uh, this place where it was like a schoolyard. It was like a, a school of some sort. And I guess it happened like maybe 100 years ago or sometime around there. It just seemed like it was a long time ago. But Something happened where they basically had a con- they set up concentration camps there, and it was horrific. They still had the old clothes of people dying. They had people chained to the bed. You know the pull up bars. They had pull up bars where they would hang people there and beat them and stuff like that. And over there, that was like the worst thing in the world to them. Over here, we had never even heard of that. We've heard of like the Holocaust and stuff like that, but over there, it's like that was their Holocaust. So, and when we go when we talk about media, um, I also think that. So we have black media over here. We have black media in the Caribbean. I've seen the, I've been to the radio stations and TV stations down in Jamaica. Um, Africa, I've never been to Africa, but I want to go there too. What we need to do as melanated people is we need to start uh, cross-promoting and start uh, cross-producing because I feel that in Jamaica, the quality isn't the best, but they have good content, but the quality isn't the best. So why would not have not why not have someone that that's from America that has great quality ship them to Jamaica for a little while and train them and vice versa and because we can learn I can learn stuff from Jamaica like I have an actual like a, a freelance uh, camera operator that does music videos in and Jamaica and he is like phenomenal it's like it's ridiculous how good he is very talented they just don't have the equipment so this is why I think that we need to have a global a global web of media not just video not just newspaper, you know, print, stuff like that, but I'm talking about everything, everything that encompasses media. Because I, I feel that uh, as melanated people, we can all learn from each other. And I feel like that's the only way we can get deeply rooted within our own culture as well across the globe. Because if you go to Africa and they, are, they think that everybody is like Medea, talking like Medea and Cardi B, then that's null and void. That's not good for us as a race. But they need to know that there's a, a Boyce Watkins, or, you know, a Neely Fuller or some sort like that. So that's how I feel. I feel like media, especially melanated black media, should all come together and we should have conferences. I believe that. I believe that we filmmakers such as ourselves, that those that are on this panel, we should go to these other countries. Canada also um, that are really not considered like non-black, but they have a lot. I've, I've gone to Canada, like Toronto. They have a lot of black people there. So why not? Let's just celebrate each other and let's learn from each other. Therefore, we can circulate our own news. Of that sort. Okay, so let me ask uh, Zakia. Um, how do we, uh, you know, circling back to uh, Biden and Harris and everything in between? Um, how do we uh, go from being upset about our condition to actually kind of challenging the politicians? Um, I, I hate politics. I don't like being involved with none of that. 
Um, I, you know, I did something with uh, with the Obama administration a few years ago, and it just it it, it annoyed the hell out of me. Um, but I do think I do understand the importance of it, and I know that you are uh, you have an understanding of the political system. What do you think are some basic things we might want to do as a people in order to make sure that our voice is heard and moving forward? Absolutely. I, I think that we need to learn how to use leverage. Uh, I think we had a huge missed opportunity uh, this time around, you all, a huge missed opportunity to use the leverage. And, and I have to say, in terms of the census, as you all know, we just did one in 2020. Uh, our vote is actually going to, especially with Biden's plan on immigration, keep in mind, our vote is going to become less and less and less important. And we're not thinking futuristic. The, the other sister vibing with me in terms of this uh, global economy. We do live in globalism. Like we're entering into the fourth industrial revolution. I am going to keep saying that because black people need to be very clear and they need to read and do research. Um, we're in a quarantine right now in many places, right? Please use that time to read. I'll share here really quickly, uh, and I'm certainly going to get your question, uh, Brother Boyce. Um, on my YouTube channel, which is Real Talk Unsent, which is Real Talk with ZSJ, I have been doing a reading of the book called The Choice uh, by Brother Sam Yet, and I'm not sure if, if, if Boyce, if you're familiar with it, or if any of the other um, uh, panelists are familiar with it. But the reason why I'm reading that book is it was written in 1971, literally 50 years ago this year, and Sam Yet was warning Black people because he was the first Black uh, White House correspondent for Newsweek. And he had access to documents and information that normal people would never have access to. And he used, he literally put his career on the line and, 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 and really sacrificed his entire life by warning Black people that we were obsolete uh, to the system now and that we needed to know the tools and strategies at that time of the Nixon administration and also of Moynihan. All of these things are connected to everything that I'm talking about today in terms of how technology, which we know that technology is now affecting white folks, which I haven't had a chance to unpack, but also had a lot to do with what you saw on January 6th. White folks are feeling the pinch, the pinch that we have been feeling for decades. And the reason why we need to be very uh, clear about this, be clear, the troops, I live in the D.C. region. I live in this region. And the media right now, we're talking about the media. If you listen to CNN over the weekend, if you listen to MSNBC over the weekend, hell, even Fox News, they're trying to condition people to get ready that, that troops will be in D.C. from now on. You want to know why? Because they're getting ready to do some stuff under the Biden administration. I start off by telling y'all this is going to be a very pivotal administration. They're getting ready to do things that that's going to set white people off. And, and because we used to being oppressed. Right. And I hate to say that, but we you know, the last time we set it off was in the 60s. And I, and I don't see nothing like that happening right now with regards to black people. We're pretty much controlled, at least in this country. White people are not there yet. So the plan is is that the military will continue to stay there. And that is going to be their shield when white folks, they're coming for the Second Amendment. This is not a cons conspiracy theory. They actually been trying to come for it. They already coming for the First Amendment. They're in lockstep with the social media companies. Again, everybody follow the money. You can go to opensecrets.org. Silicon Valley, Facebook, they poured 
tens of millions of dollars into the Democrats. And black people, when you vote for Democrats at this point in history, you are voting for your own oppression. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to break it to you. And so in terms of your question, what we actually need to be doing, I think, is that black people need to be studying and we need to be figuring out alternative ways to live. We need to figure out how to get away from smart cities because smart cities is something else that's coming down the pipe. We need to be figuring out how to grow our own food. We need to be figuring out how to be self-sufficient. And I mean, right now, it's an emergency. Mm. Well, uh, Tariq, uh, Tariq Kalik, um, with this election, do you feel that, uh, I just want to ask a random question. I mean, do you, do you think this election was legitimate? Like, do you think that there was anything to be said about, uh, you know, there are a lot of people saying the election was stolen and things like that. Um, Tariq, do you feel that that, it, that there were some issues there that kind of got swept under the rug? What do you think? Yeah, uh, but the thing is, it's kind of hard to talk about that, especially on these platforms, is because, you know, they can just take this whole platform down and say that we are inciting violence. So I tread lightly, but, you know, when you see 100,000 votes coming as ballots and it goes directly to one candidate and not the other, and I think they had that situation in Michigan and Wisconsin, you know, that is a, a, an anomaly that should be looked at. But I want to also get back to um, the solutions part about black people, you know, because the question is, is why black people keep falling for the okie doke over and over again. I just I strongly believe it's because we are in fear. And, you know, my thing is I look to I, I, I always observe that, you know, you can you can tell who is running things. Just look to those who you cannot criticize. And when when I look at the black community, I always ask myself, why is it OK that we can talk about white supremacy and nothing happens. There is another group of white people who I won't name, but if you search their name and if and they control the media, they scrub that group's name off of YouTube. It's an, it's insane. You used to, used to be able to find them. You you can't find it no more, but you can put white supremacy, white people control this and that, and you see white people everywhere. You know, attacking white people. And my question is, what is this designed to do? to keep talking about white people. Is it elevating our conscience? Is it having us think critically? Are we, are, we, are we moving in a different direction? Or are we living in fear and calling and we're wanting them to protect us, specifically the liberals? So the solution that I, I would have for black people is stop scaring each other. That's why we, every four years, this is why we can't get black people to be independent and stand firm. If you don't talk about reparations left or right, any black politicians, if y'all don't talk about rep reparations, we won't vote for you. And don't tell me about no white supremacists running up on me because I'm not scared of that. You've been telling me that year after year after year, and it's not happening. Like, mm. that's what I think. We, we, we have to stop scaring black people and be more nuanced. You know, John, John I, one, one thing I was thinking about, John, was the fact that, uh, that there's always this talk about they, they never really talk exactly about what is actually happening. They always talk about what might happen. Like we end up being, it, it reminds me of this video I saw with this uh, father. Uh, Y'all might've seen it. G give me a yes or no in the chat if you saw this video where a father was showing his son how to fight and his father would do like that and the son would duck. And he was like, no, son, don't, don't duck just because you think I'm going to hit you. Like you react to what is real. Don't react to what you think I might do. And eventually his son starts learning how to not, you know, shrivel up into a ball every time his father put his hands up. And I feel like that's black people that, 
or not even just black people, but really just a lot of millions of people in America that, you know, when I hear a lot of talk on in media, I'm always distinguishing between like, okay, are you talking about something that's actually happening? Or are you talking about all the things that you believe are going to happen? And I, cause I can't I talk about something that might happen as if it's actually happening. Like you tell me, okay, you heard that the proud boys were going to go get a bunch of tanks and AK 47s and slaughter as many black people as they possibly could. Well, show me some evidence that this is actually occurring. I need to know, you know, if this is happening, then I'll be concerned. But I haven't seen that, right? And uh, so, so, it all, so you think about inauguration day. Uh, again, remember we we had last week we had that crazy thing that happened at the Capitol, where for whatever reason, <clears throat> now pay attention now that trillion dollar military we have that's right down the street at the Pentagon because this is D.C. You're not talking about a random building. You're talking about the Capitol, one of the most hev- supposedly one of the most heavily fortified buildings in the country, and probably top five. Uh, and you got a trillion dollar military that's right down the street. And people were busting <clears throat> through the windows and didn't even have any weapons. They had no organized military strategy. It wasn't like uh, an army came and attacked. It was a bunch of people that just basically got in because nobody was home to defend the building. I don't. That, that's not a coincidence, right? So, so now that that's happened, and now that we're using these terms, terrorists, insurrectionists, you know, the the I, I forget what other terms that they're using, but these crazy terms, almost like they're gonna, like they've got an army where they're going to come down with the army and just just do some terrible things in the inauguration. Inauguration happens. Nothing goes down. It goes off without a hitch. It almost seems like I almost feel a little bit tricked again, John. I feel like they they got us all hyped up, like, oh, it's going to go down right now, and everything was fine. What do you think about that in terms of those, those sort of mind tricks to keep you on edge and scared all the time? Yeah, it's it's, it's basically like Stockholm Syndrome, right? So – uh, they want us to believe that the Republicans are the enemies every year after year after year. Uh, they try to tell us, vote for us, don't vote for the Republicans, because, you know, if the Republicans get in office, we're going to have to, those white people, they're going to come and they're going to hang you and they're going to shoot you and they're going to they're gonna do this and they're going to take away your jobs and they're going to do all this and do all of that. But the reality is, once we get them in office, what do they do? They give us jobs. But again, like I was saying before in the last video, these jobs only allow us to stay wherever we're living, if you, especially if you live in an apartment, uh, basically a month out of being homeless. That's all it does. They, they, they are not generating wealth within the black community. They know what the issues are, and they know that there are guns being dropped into these cities, like Chicago, for instance, where there's a lot of gun violence. Because, I mean, think about that. If all this gun violence where are these black people getting the guns? If we don't, if we don't own ships, if we don't own planes, Come on, we don't brother. how are we getting these things? So this is like the left wing and the white wing working together to hold black people back. And here we are voting for our enemy who is acting like our friend. And, and th- this is the same thing that happens over and over and over and over again. And we need to stop doing that. That's why I'm saying we need to wake up, start becoming more politically savvy, politically conscious, of how they are playing with us, playing with our emotions to vote for them when they don't even care about us. All these years we've had Bill Clinton in office. All these years we had Obama in office. None of these weed uh, 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 things have been explained. We still have black men in jail, black women in jail for using weed. None of this stuff has been solved. And but yet we still voted for them to do what? All right. Okay. So let let me um hear a little bit of an echo. So I'm I'm gonna have to hit the mute button. 
Uh, he goes, I, I, I don't know what the noise is coming from. There we go. All right, so everybody, uh, we got an all-black panel. We're talking about the inauguration and what happened, uh, what's going to happen with the Biden-Harris administration. Uh, I want to take one second to remind everybody of the importance of us building black media. So uh, if you could do a couple of things, uh, one, hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe, all that stuff, uh, because we're, we're competing against the narrative. Uh, we are trying to make sure that our people have a chance to share our voice in addition to all the voices that are out there. Number two, when you hear uh, the, the outlet that is uh, connected to the individuals that are on this platform, a lot of a lot of folks on smart folks on here that have great platforms and have made films. Uh, Zakia has a wonderful YouTube channel where she does amazing work. Um, please support them. You know, go hit that subscribe button on their channel right down. Uh, I'm giving you homework right now, but you're going to do your homework in class uh, right down their platform. Uh, so you can go support Dr. Charm and support Mrs. G and, and Tariq and John and everybody else, uh, because that, that's really important. So I'm asking you to do that. I hope that you can give me a yes in the chat to confirm that, that the message came through loud and clear. So the last thing I'm going to ask the panelists to do uh, before we head out, we've been talking for a little bit, is I'd like each uh, individual on the panel to kind of give us uh, some closing remarks, something that we can walk away with, uh, maybe 90 seconds of, of black power so that we can walk away feeling good and strong and, and, and accomplishing something. Uh, and maybe even a specific step that we could take. It's up to you guys to decide how you want to use that time. But I'll start with Mr. Marcus Small, uh, maker of the film Melanin Code. Uh, Marcus, uh, what, what will be your parting thoughts, brother? I would have to say, um, actually, a lot of points that was brought that were brought up today were actually in the film, The Melanin Code. John just brought up the whole thing about the whole about guns being distributed in our black neighborhoods. Bo- Dr. Boyce, you actually brought that up in The Melanin Code. Like, where are they coming from? You can be they. Actually, the drugs and uh, the guns can be traced back to the cartel in Mexico. That's how deep it goes, especially when it comes to Chicago. So um, I would encourage everyone. I know this is a shameless plug, but I would encourage everyone to go to uh, view the Melanin Code. You can go to the melaninco.com because what this documentary is, it's an instructional video and it's full of solutions. That's what we need. We need and it. And it makes you think. So I'm not just telling you giving you the i'm giving you the blueprint but also well and the people that are actually in the film are giving you the blueprint but it's up to you to make decisions up to you to think about it so i would encourage everyone to do that we're all about solutions now it's time to move forward trump is out and by the way i have one more thing to say i'm not the biggest fan of biden i'm not a fan at all i'm not the biggest fan of trump either but it feels good to see those white supremacists tears I mean, to tear up because, I mean, I drink those white tears for days. So that's one good thing about it. You get to see them, um, you know, uh, bask in their sadness. So that's okay. But also we have our other fellow liberal white supremacists that are basking in glory right now. So I would encourage everybody, let's practice group economics. Let's spread this wealth so that we can take it up to the next level. All right. Uh, Dr. Charm, uh, your your parting thoughts? Uh, My parting thoughts are... We've talked about some politics and things like that, but racism and white supremacy is a public health crisis. And I have to say that as a physician, I'm a naturopathic physician in practice over a decade. And we've seen this with coronavirus. 
they're promoting the coronavirus vaccine, but they're not promoting the fact that a lot of the coronavirus and how black people have really suffered from it is because of the lack of resources. And then when we get to the hospitals, we're not we're being turned away and we're getting there when it's so far gone that it can't be reversed. Uh, perfect example, some of the community hospitals here in Chicago. I'm in Chicago. I'm from Houston. They uh, they didn't qualify for those CARES Act dollars. They didn't get those millions of dollars uh, from the CARES Act because of the volume. That's how they were able to maneuver and say, hey, we're not going to serve and provide uh, resources to these community hospitals that are in the communities that are staffed by people who reflect those communities and serve those communities. Uh, University of Chicago has uh, almost unlimited resources and they got a large amount of the COVID dollars here. Some of the community co hospitals on the west side and the south side are in danger of closing, had higher over $600,000 in expenses because they of, of extra expenses because they had to have PPE for the nurses and doctors and everyone else who are serving people. So I say that to say that this racism that we're dealing with is so pervasive at every single level. It is constantly attacking us 24 seven and we have to be empowered. Um, racism is a public health crisis. A, a group of black naturopathic female doctors and, and a few herbalists, 12 of us wrote a book called The Quarantine Kitchen. We have recipes and healthy things in there. Some, uh, you know, sea uh, moss is very sexy right now. I want everybody to get The Quarantine Kitchen book www.drcharmbook.com because this is one of the ways that we can really combat this virus is having a healthy immune system by improving our health. CMOS. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so I'm doing good, Dr. Charm. I got CMOS in my bag right here. I don't keep hot sauce in my bag because hot sauce will kill me, but I got CMOS in my bag. So I'm doing okay. I get a thumbs up. Actually, hot sauce is really good for you. It has cayenne. Cayenne is uh, helps with circulation. It opens the blood vessels. It's good for mucus and breaking up mucus. So let's not sleep on hot sauce. They come from Africa now. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Char. Thank you. Uh, okay. John F. Thomas, uh, what are your parting words for, for us today? Uh, I would say, again, we need to start being more politically savvy, as uh, I forgot who said it earlier, but we need to start reading more, start reading uh, Poweronomics, start reading uh, books from Dr. Boyce. We need to just start reading all these different things that have not been told to us about how great our community is, how great our people are, and what can be done to move forward. Um, we, and we have to start demanding. You know, like, don't just ask for jobs, uh, demand money for our black businesses, building our industries, uh, resources for our communities, giving us reparations, freeing our black men and women and children uh, who were put in jail due to weed possession when white people are now building industries in weed and making money off of it, selling it the same weed to the masses. And they're making, they're being, becoming wealthy off of that, uh, holding black politicians accountable and not just taking a check just to keep up the status quo for white America. Um, and all these things that are, are if, if these things are not given to us by these demands that we have made, because we have saved the Democrats' political asses time and time again, if they do not deliver on this, then we are withholding the vote. And I know somebody asked like, well, what do we do? Do we vote Republican? Do I don't know, maybe, maybe vote Republican. If you don't want to vote Republican, if they're not offering anything, then we're withholding the vote. It is a quid pro quo. If you cannot deliver anything to our community, every other community practices this, the Jewish community practices, the Asian community practices, the Hispanic communities practices. That's why they are getting their immigration policies pushed basically first, because they did a quid pro quo. You do something for us, we do something for you. You take care of immigration for us, we vote for you. 
And we're the only ones that just like, oh, we need to vote because we, we need to save everybody. No, screw that. You know, if, if y'all don't want to save us, then everybody screwed. How about that? Because we've been living in hell forever already. We've been living in hell for over 400 years. I, I don't mind another four to eight years of living in hell because nothing really changes for us. It just changes for everybody else. And they try to make us feel bad. So if that's the case, if you can't do anything for us, then, hey, everybody suffers. Like, that's fine. Until you do right by black people, everybody suffers. So that's why we need to start focusing in on us. All right. Uh, so Tariq Abdul-Khalik, uh, what are your parting thoughts, my friend? Um, I just want to say um, and just bring it back to the topic a little bit. You know, the Biden administration is, in, in my opinion, as it relates to black people, it will be designed to put black people to sleep uh, because a lot of us will be like, whoo, we finally got rid of Trump. Now, hey, hey, party time. Now we can relax. And I don't like that feeling. I like that under the Trump administration, black people were very upset, anger. But what I also saw is a black community who understood politics better. I saw black people talk about the House. I saw black people talk talking about the Senate. I saw black people talking about group group economics and, uh, and agendas and just coming together and seeing what we can do to survive this. But now I just feel like we are going to be asleep and calm and just revert just back to how we used to be. You know, we are human beings. What makes you as a human different from an animal is that you have the ability to critically think. Animals don't have that ability. That's why you can study them. That's why you can throw the same bait at them over and over again, and they latch onto the bait. You know why? Because they are predictable. Black people, we got to be unpredictable. Everyone knows how we behave under a Republican. We're angry. We are bad. We even call out our own who does not vote alongside us. It's, it's sad. The black left and the black right, they don't even talk. I don't even know no other platform besides this one where you have notable black left, black conservatives and black liberals coming together and talking to come up with an idea. They don't even do that. We're acting just like how these white liberals and white conservatives fight. And that's what they expect us to do. So, you know, I just want black people to just break out of this, break out of this la-la land, stop being so comfortable and predictable and become unpredictable. Mm. All right. All right. Excellent. Excellent words. Uh, so, uh, Mrs. G, um, I passed I passed the microphone to you. Uh, what are your final thoughts, ma'am? Well, OK, so my voice is a little strange, strange. So I'm going to go back to my normal home voice. But the main thing that I wanted to say is that media is pure lies. And I learned that in like 1998, while standing on the Champs-Elysees, talking to my mother on the cell phone. And she told me that I need to get inside because live on the news, they were looting and um, killing people and setting things on fire. While I'm standing there at the exact same time that she's watching this alleged live news, realizing for the first time in my life that American America literally makes up live news too. There was mm. nothing happening on the Champs-Élysées. You can see the beginning of it to the end. And it's a, the biggest street in Paris. There was nothing but people walking around shopping. And my mother is watching on CNN, people killing, looting, shooting, and all of these things. And it was completely fake. 
So I want to be clear that I only can learn that because I was outside of America. I learned that when I was 22 years old. And I also want to say that it's very peculiar to me that Americans will fight and argue me down that they don't need to understand the world and how it works outside of America. Why would we reject an emergency plan? Why would we remove the option of having a plan to leave by not even having a passport? We should be smart enough to understand that our country doesn't care about us and we need to have at least the option to have a second home somewhere. We call and try to make people understand that you can come with us to synagogue. We operate in France and we operate in synagogue. And we don't have to deal with things that, that people have to deal with in America. It's just unheard of. I also want to say that it is important to understand that African people who live in the continent of Africa cannot leave. They cannot leave. It takes moving a mountain for them to be able to use their passport to go anywhere, even to the next country in Africa sometimes. They don't allow them to move around at all. And here we are as Americans with the most powerful passport, almost the most powerful passport on planet Earth. And we refuse to use what was supposed to be for the white Americans. We're never supposed to use our passport, but we fall for it and we don't get it. And we fight and fight and fight and try to make up a hundred arguments about why we don't need a passport. Yet, if you needed to, you could go nowhere. Mexico will close the borders, my friends. They won't allow us in. They won't allow us in, in many occasions. And then this is a secret that a lot of people don't know. There are many situations where Mexicans do not allow Americans in from the borders. And so why do we think as black people, they're gonna care about us suddenly and let us go into their country? The other thing I wanna say is, if you do make it out as one of the very tiny percentage of black people who do leave the American continent and get to Africa, please don't bring your white Eurocentric mentality like almost every black American does in Africa and start to oppress the Africans when you get there. So I want to say that first, to, I wanna say that also to make, make that clear to people. And then finally, I want to say about reparations, of course we deserve reparations. Of course we do, we built America. But at this point, we have tra been trained so thoroughly to spend money that if we did receive reparations, I promise you, it will go right back into the hands of America in about 30 days or less. Mm. Wow. All right. All right. So um, to let everybody, can you let uh, Mrs. Jean LePanel know that you're hearing them? Uh, so let's type the word passport in the chat. I want to see the word passport in the chat. Uh, if you don't have a passport, you should have one. Um, my brother had a baby three days ago. That baby will have a passport very soon. Um, so that, that passport point is very important. And remember, you don't have to be here. So just keep that in mind. Type the word passport in the chat to let us know that you're hearing us uh, because it's very important that we think outside the box. So Mr. Tony Lindsay, um, uh, your, your final words, my friend. I think Tony is muted. 
Let me unmute you. Let me, let me hit the button. There, there you go, brother. You Sorry unmute. about that. Sorry about that. Well, first oh, of no. all, just thank you again for having me here on the panel. And uh, just real quick, I, I, I want to say that, you know, I, I really watched the inauguration today, you know, with a keen eye. And I, I would think that Joe Biden's speech was a very, very good one if he actually meant it. And I think that the fact that I know <laughs> that he didn't mean it is what makes it all the more frustrating and insulting. Uh, and I think probably the most annoying part of watching the inauguration, while, you know, we try to remain hopeful, but the most annoying part to me was watching the media try to manipulate our, percep our perception of what was really happening and also playing on our fears, like from the body armor that they had, you know, they kept talking about the body armor that certain Congress people were wearing, yet Joe Biden wasn't wearing arm body armor or Kamala Harris. You know, so I think that fear is the quickest road to consent. And as long as you have people afraid, you can pretty much get them to act against their own interests and do whatever you want them to do. You know, beginning with begging your own government to take away certain freedoms from you. And there's one thing that we should all know about our government is that once you give up your freedom, they're not very good at giving it back. So I think the Democratic Party has been engaging in a decades long campaign of lowering the bar of black people's political intelligence. And I think we really need to reclaim our righteous minds. So thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Ex excellent point. OK, reclaim our righteous minds. So. Everybody type the word reclaim in the chat. We're going to reclaim our minds and, and or, or type no fear. That, that's what I got from what Tony said. Um, you can't operate in fear. If you operate in fear, then you're definitely going to lose. So we're not losers. We are winners. So everybody type no fear or reclaim in the chat. Um, so, Ms. Uh, Zakia, um, uh, what, what are your final thoughts? And I'd love to hear uh, something about your YouTube channel as well. Because uh, I want everybody to go follow Miss Zakia, and I'm, I'm gonna show you a link in the uh, in the chat. Uh, go, 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 go ahead, sister. Yeah, thank you, brother, and um, shout out to everybody else on the panel. I agree with uh, a lot that has already been said. Um, in terms of you know my final comments, you know I'll try to just sum it up with you know a few things that I've already discussed. Number one, um, I think that as a community we need to get very serious. I'm at the point where I think that Black folks. Um, actually need to withhold the vote in 2022 when they try to drag us out uh, again to get our votes. Um, you know, it wasn't even a week before Joe Biden uh, backtracked after he went down to Georgia and told black folks that if you vote for the two Georgia senators, you'll get a $2,000 check. Now he's talking about $1,400. Um, and certainly none of the executive orders specifically um, targeted us. Uh, he certainly doesn't support uh, reparations. Um, you know, we have to get past this uh, idea that representation uh, is enough. The further thing that I think that we need to do uh, in a way it, that's in love is that we have got to deal with um, the gatekeepers, um, the traders uh, in our community who are paid uh, millions of dollars to, uh, you know, to speak on behalf of us when they're not speaking on behalf of the majority of our folks. And finally, I, you know, people need to, be very diligent about studying and understanding and making the connections. I agree, no fear. We have to become a people where we're not allowed uh, to be manipulated by fear because right now that's exactly 
uh, what's happening. When it comes to 2022 and 2024, um, I think that, you know, withholding the vote should be an option. Also voting for other candidates or voting third party. I have been voting for third party for the last uh, 10 years now. I actually did not vote for President Obama the second time. I had already woken up uh, to the Kool-Aid. I've been on this program before and I've talked about, you know, I've actually worked in politics at the local and state level. Um, So I'm not like here on the outside looking in, not understanding the process. I understand the process very clearly and the process is not working for us. Uh, And finally, I do think people uh, should follow my channel. Uh, It is Real Talk with ZSJ on YouTube and my handle there. Uh, You can see that for Twitter uh, and Instagram to follow me there Um, because I am uh, reading banned books, books that uh, will actually help to elevate our consciousness and help us to make the connections that we need to to make in order uh, to make the right decisions for ourselves and our families and our community. So thank you for the opportunity to be here. All right. All right. Uh, everybody, if you could uh, give a digital uh, round of applause to the panelists, uh, uh, I appreciate all of you for taking the time to come and uh, join us today. And uh, also, I hope you are uh, jotting down their platforms so you can follow them and support them. Uh, this is where famous people come from. This is where me- how media is built. Uh, you are an important part of this process. You're not just a passive bystander. You are part of the team. We can't do this by ourselves. We are not here to build well, you know, super Negroes, <laughs> we are here to come together so that all of us uh, can win battles together, right? So so there is no black leadership stuff going on here. Everybody's a leader. I want you to lead your household. I nominate you right now to be president of the United States in your house. <laughs> the, the, you, the man, you are the king. Your wife is the queen. Um, and also, uh, I also want you to understand that you have a great degree of equity when it comes to how your life turns out. Now, let me let me uh, give my, my quick final thought. I want to share a picture uh, to, with everybody in the panel. I want everybody or everybody in the audience, as you hit the thumbs up button, I'm going to ask you a question. Tell me if you recognize the brother in this picture. Does anybody recognize the brother in this picture? Type, if you know his name, type his last name. You, you might know his last name. And uh, so I'm going to give you a second to tell me if you notice who this person is. If you don't notice him, what about now? Anybody oh, know his wow. name? What's his last name? Type his last name in the chat. Remember this? So there you go. There, there's the most probably the most famous picture. All right. So that is uh, Officer Goodman. Um, I, I don't have his first name in front of me. Eugene Goodman. I think that's his name. And uh, Officer Goodman was a very brave, uh, a very brave individual who somehow ended up defending the entire Capitol all by himself. Even though we got a trillion dollar military that's right down the street at the Pentagon that has something else to do, apparently, at that moment. Maybe they were all at lunch. I don't know. I don't know. I just, you know, I, I've seen uh, I, I've seen the local mall have more security than that. But that's beside the point. We won't get into that. But here's the thing. So Officer Goodman, um, you know, good good for this brother. Proud of, proud of him for being brave. He served his country. I, I have a respect for soldiers. Um, uh, you know, so if you served your country, God bless you. I have a tremendous amount of appreciation for that. Now, here's what's interesting. So I happen to be uh, engaged to a a beautiful black woman who is an expert on the subconscious mind. And one of the the things that she mentioned, uh, and she's not as radical as me, but she did mention this. And she said, uh, she said, you know, they they have him on the screen and they're narrating how wonderful it is to be protected. 
uh, by this man. They said, oh, he's protecting us. Look at him. He's protecting us. He's such a he, he uh, offers a good man. He's such a good man. You know? and, um, and and so so when she said that, when she talked about how this commentator was gloating about how, how Officer Goodman was protecting all of us, uh, I said, oh, that's a uh, meritorious manumission. Dr. Claude Anderson writes about that in Poweronomics. Where at Black Labor, White Wealth, where slaves were rewarded for protecting white people. Go look it up. It's a real thing. I, it's, I'm not making this up. And and so and then she, but she also mentioned something about the subconscious mind. She said, "Oh, that's mind control." She said, "Think about it. He is perfect. He's a good man. So here's a good man. This black man. We're gonna put him in front of you. He's a good man. And if you want to be rewarded, if you want the butter biscuit if biscuits, if you want to be celebrated on TV, then go be a good man like this man and, and go defend some white folks. And, and then we're gonna love you. And and I thought that was really interesting. And so it made me think about mind control." And, uh, and and my, the mind control is very real. And if you don't think it's real, then that means it's because you're probably a victim of it. Uh, and so, but the best way to uh, understand mind control is to take a moment and to become conscious of it, right? It, again, it hits you when you're, sub, when, when you're hitting your unconscious mind. It hits you when you're not paying attention, when you are asleep. But I want you to wake up. When they talk about what it means to be a conscious black person, that, that basically means you wake up, you're aware, you know what's going on. It's harder to manipulate somebody who's looking around. So, so let me tell you a story about mind control that was real fascinating. I think this is a perfect story that applies to black people. Um, I saw this guy. I put it on my Instagram. If you want to go, my Instagram is the Real Boyce Watkins. If you want to see the guy actually telling the story, I'm gonna try to repeat it. Hopefully, I'll do it okay. So basically, he was a military guy, and he wasn't even talking about black people or anything. But but it was a perfect analogy. He said that there in a cage they had five monkeys. And, uh, and, and they had a stool in the cage. And, and what they did with the five monkeys is they put bananas at the top of the cage. And monkeys are smart. And so the monkeys figured out if I climb up on the stool, we can grab the bananas. So the first monkey jumps up and, and climbs on the stool and grabs the bananas. And they spray them down with cold water. They spray all the monkeys down, like with this freezing cold water that hits them hard. And, and they're all traumatized and in shock, like, you know, what's going on there? <laughs> you know, and, and so they, they stop for a minute. And then they, one of them tries again. He jumps up on a stool, tries to get the bananas. They spray them down with the water again. So the monkeys eventually, about the third time, they gave up. They just they, they realized that every time they climb on the stool, they're going to get sprayed down. So the monkeys just sit there and they chill. They're just like, okay, we're not going to go after those bananas because there's a penalty associated with that. So then what they do, did was they took out one of the wet monkeys and they put in a dry monkey. Now, this monkey didn't know anything about the oppression occurring in the cage or the trauma or anything. He just came in and he saw bananas. So he's like, oh, wow, look at that. There's bananas at the, you know, so he jumps up to grab the bananas and they don't spray anybody. What happens is the, the four wet monkeys jump on him and just beat him down. You know, like, like don't you do that. You do that, you're going to get in trouble, right? And so then what, so now you got four wet monkeys and one bloody monkey. So they take out one of the, another one of the wet monkeys and they replace him with a dry monkey. So you got three wet monkeys, one bloody monkey, and one dry monkey. Same thing happens. The dry monkey jumps up to get the bananas. All the monkeys beat him up. And they keep on repeating that process until you get to the point where you've got no more wet monkeys. None of the monkeys have ever been sprayed. All of them are bloody because all of them got beat down for trying to get the bananas. And so they put in another dry monkey. He jumps up to get the bananas. All of the bloody monkeys beat up. The dry monkey for trying to get the bananas, even though predictive programming, even though none of the monkeys had in, actually experienced any sort of penalty for going after the bananas, they just know that this is the way things have always been done. This is what you're not supposed to do. You are you're out of your place by doing this, right? 
And, and, and it made me think about uh, the way we approach the election. It made me think about the, uh, the, all the black people that worked harder attacking Ice Cube for asking for something from, from the politicians, then they actually would, would, would go, they, they would never go after a white man the way they went after Ice Cube, right? And, uh, and, and, and it was fascinating because this man was fighting on your behalf. Why are you, why, you at, the, at the very least, you could have walked away and done nothing, but for some reason, you felt the need to jump up and try to punch him out for trying to actually do something for black people. And, and I think that, the, so the mind control is really deep in our community. And, and I think that what's going to, I think that what's, what's, what we're dealing with here is that it's not going to go away. Um, if I were them and this white supremacy thing was working for me, I, I wouldn't change a thing. And, you know, because they, they've got millions of people that are going to fall for the same trick every single time. But I think that those of you who get it, those of you who are alert and, and awake, um, I encourage you to uh, be courageous and to lead. Uh, and that means that when, when the bloody monkeys come up and try to start punching you out, because you're jumping up trying to grab the bananas, you maybe maybe you have to punch back, or at the very least, you can ignore those people, right? So 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 what I'm just saying to you is is that um, you know really doing the right thing, I believe, requires you to be okay with the idea that some people are just not going to like you, some people are going to get mad at you. Um, you know, I got banned. I don't talk about it much, but I literally got banned from Ebony Magazine because of, of my positions on politics. One of the lead editors said, we will never publish anything from Dr. Boyce Watkins, right? So, so this, this kind of thing happens. Um, but if you're doing the right thing and you're doing it for the right reasons for the right people, then you don't have to worry about anything because I, I already know that, that black power is, is strong and, and, and that black excellence is always more powerful than white supremacy. And I believe deeply that more black power is on the way. I, I believe that we get our strategy together uh, we get our minds right. We stick together. We support each other. I think we can have so much power and capability that we don't have to worry about what anybody thinks. And uh, and that and I'm, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. So thank you guys for uh, uh, joining us tonight. Uh, this has been awesome. And uh, please thank the panelists one more time. Uh, hit the thumbs up button on your way out. And thank you very much to the panel uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, I look forward to talking to you all very very soon. So God bless everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye bye.